Welcome to the clam bake. How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. I'm Angela Gullner. I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists. Dang it. Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. Being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each it's other. It's true. So let's get talking. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Clam Bake Clams. Wow. I just recorded that whole intro while social mediaing. Yeah, you did. Hello, millennials. Boom, multiple skills happening in the booth tonight. Multitasking ladies. Yeah. How's your clam lens? I'm so tired. Sleepy I clam. didn't vacation on the time people are supposed to vacation. You know, what are you going to do? It's life. Well. <laughs> I worked 13 hours on Saturday. You got to practice vegan festival. that self-care. I know. You know. The best part about the festival, though, is I tried a CBD-infused kombucha. It got me through the festival. That sounds great. I was very solidly happy for a solid um, 10 hours. It's a great amount of time to be happy for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love That's it. the best part of it. Hi- it. Highly recommend CBD kombucha. Didn't know it existed until Saturday. It's uh-huh. great. It's great. Anyway, um... I wish I could sleep ten, like 10 hours instead of go to work tomorrow, but that's how my claim is. It's Maybe fine. you have to call in sick. I can't. You can. You yeah. are the running your own life. Okay. Not tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, eventually. Eventually. I agree to disagree. Eventually. So How's fine. your clam? Um, my clam's fine. I don't know. Hey, hey, Ireland's Ireland's rolled back their (laughs) prohibitive abortion rules. That's thebomb.com. North and South Korea are hugging. I mean, freaking A, life is great. (laughs) That's all you can ask for. (laughs) That's like all you can ask for right now, I guess. Trump, get in on that hug. Just let him hug you. I don't know. I don't know either. Who knows? Who knows? That's I, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but we have an amazing guest today. That's the most Yeah, let's get thing. into our guest. Next time has got awesome really guests. nothing exciting to report. All right. We have an amazing guest today, the fabulous Britta Lund- Lundin. Mm-hmm. Lundin. No, no, I'm doing it all wrong. Lindsay, I'm doing it all wrong. We just, we had a whole we just had a conversation about, this. about so her close. name is Swedish and how it's beautiful. Thank and you. And I messed it up. No, Britta. You did great. Lundine. Lundine. That was it. Yeah. Britta Lundine. <laughs> Britta is a TV writer, novelist, comic book writer. She currently writes on the show Riverdale on the CW. If you're, if you're not obsessed with it, what are you What's doing with, with you? my life? We got my grandparents a box set for <laughs> Christmas and they're obsessed with it. What? Your grandparents yeah. are dope. They loved the Archie comics when they were kids. Oh, intergenerational. Cool. Oh, yeah. That's so they cool. Love it. They love that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and we were like, it's going to be, it's kind of sexy. <laughs> and they're into it. Okay, good. Yeah. That's yeah. So we usually cool. hear that we're good with like nieces. People always tell me like, oh, my daughter loves you, but I'm happy to hear where I hit with grandparents. As yeah. Well. So 78 cool. year olds. Yeah. Love it. Very into Damn, it. Damn, I love that. Yeah. 
Um, Britta is also a longtime fan fiction reader and writer. Mm-hmm. She's originally from the Pacific Northwest and uh, now lives with her wife and their lime tree mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. What a beautiful <laughs> trifecta. Were you too loud in your headphones? I can turn you down if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I'm not used to hearing myself. Yeah. Oh. Also, you like, don't have to no use pressure. I'm not no pressure. Grande. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just Brittle and Dean. <laughs> just. <laughs> Best name ever. Um, we're so glad you're here. And you also have recently published a book. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote a book. Called yeah. Ship It. Yeah, that's the name of the book. It's a young adult novel. And it's LBGTQ. Yeah, it's those things. Which yeah. is so exciting because we've we've had within like a month, we've had two awesome women write young adult LBGTQ novels on our show. And it's just like, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It, it's very it's, cool. People are buying them. Yeah. Yeah, it's really exciting. I uh, come from the world of like TV writing and screenwriting, and so the so being uh, an author is very new and exciting for me. But the more I meet other authors, I'm like, why didn't I consider doing this way earlier? Because there's like a, it takes a certain breed of person to want to sit alone in their room and like pound out a book as opposed to like TV writing, which is a very social totally. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like feature writing. Sometimes I'm like, I'm so alone. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to take Twitter breaks. No, there's other human beings out there. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to the Amy Spalding episode, go back, listen to it. Our other, L- uh, and she also wrote an LGBTQ themed novel as well, which is really cool. Yeah. The Summer of Jody Perez. I yeah. love that book. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. 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 It's just so like all your like lesbian rom com funny feels. It's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Cool. Well, our first question for every single guest who comes on this podcast is, mm-hmm. are you a feminist? Why or why not? Yes, I am. Why or why not? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess um, I remember when I was uh, like a teenager being feeling like irrationally angry all the time and not being able to put like my finger on exactly why I was mad. And then like once I started learning about feminism and like the language of feminism, I started to understand like, oh, oh, those are the reasons that I was always angry all the time. It was like <laughs> things like male entitlement and like mm. people who felt entitled to my time and, and uh, uh, were like putting me in a box that I didn't want to be in, that I didn't like have like a framework or understanding to figure out like why it was making me feel as upset as it was. But then once I learned, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. That all tracks with my life experience. Therefore, I must be a feminist. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so cool that you felt that that young. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't understand what I was feeling. Right. But yeah, I was definitely feeling it. But something was pinging around. You're like, something's off here. Yeah. 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 It took me a long time. It took me till much later in my life. I wish I felt it that young, but that is so cool. It's very cool. <laughs> um, we wanted to give Topi a shout out from the bitch list because she connected all of us. Um, and Topi was a previous guest if you haven't listened to that episode. Yes, yet. go back and Do listen it. to all about the bitch list. But uh, the bitch list identifies scripts, um, often lifting up underrepresented voices every year. Uh, it comes out in January, which is so cool. And uh, you were on the list yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, 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 I was at the top of the bitch list in 2016 with the screenplay version of Ship It. Before it was a book, it was a oh, screenplay. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was something I had written. And I remember even as I was writing, I was like, Britta, what are you doing? Like, no one is going to care about this. It was a screenplay about, like, 
a teenage girl who writes a lot of gay fan fiction who then like like w- w- through a series of shenanigans wins uh this like PR opportunity to go on the road with the cast and showrunner of her favorite show and she's like perfect I am going to take this opportunity to convince the showrunner to make the show as gay as my fan fiction and it. he of course like thinks that's a terrible idea it's like <laughs> we're literally never going to do that and she's like watch me convince you um and so it was like a very specific script talking about a very kind of niche subgenre um, of the internet that like is something I'm very passionate about but I was like there's no way this is going to get me an agent there's no way this is going to win any contest like this is not something that's going to advance my career it's just something I have to get out of my system and then like little did I know like it did very well like it won the bitch list that year I was going to yeah. say I want to see that yeah. movie and I want to read that book <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. and then it was the writing sample that got me my agent and it was the writing sample he sent to Riverdale that got me staffed on Riverdale uh, and then and like shortly thereafter, um, I I had a meeting with Freeform Books, uh, who's the publisher of the book, and they like loved the script, and they were like, "We want you to write this as a young adult novel." And I was like, "I've never done that before, but I am down. Let's do it." That's yeah. such like a great lesson for any young writers out there, mm. or old writers, or any aged writers, or Angela, um, <laughs> to like not try and write what you think is going to sell, like write what you have to write. Yeah, yeah, because that's where like the yeah. The, juices and the passion yeah and like I was I would have meetings with people who would be like I don't actually know really what you're talking about like this this isn't my experience but there's something so specific and personal about it that I'm drawn in nonetheless and it's like it's kind of a lesson in the specific is universal Mm -hmm. of like if it's personal to you you're going to be able to make it really compelling to other people even if they've never heard of it before yeah there are people who don't even know what shipping is at the beginning I didn't until I read the description of your book yeah but I guess I like vaguely in my subconscious knew what it was but now I understand more but will you describe it for people who don't know sure so like shipping uh, is a fandom term that's used to describe like when you want two people to be in a relationship, you ship them. Uh, and so you could ship like any two couples. Um, like you could ship like Han Solo and Leia, like Princess Leia. Right. Um, and then you're like a yeah. Han Leia shipper. Cool. That's such a, that's such fun. I was going to say a Han Solo and Donald Lando. Glo- yeah. Yeah. Oh. To be relevant like, yeah. this weekend. Yeah. 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 I'm sure people have already been writing <laughs> oh, that. But for like, sure. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I just have to like, uh, I- I'm in a secret Facebook group where b- I like, we're meeting for the first time today, but some Somebody who is an assistant at your company, I can't say her name or the name of the Facebook group, but um, she told your story about how she read your script and like really insisted that people, I don't know if it was your management company or agency, read uh-huh. it. And she said she kept pushing it and pushing it. And she told your success story of your book coming out. This was just like a week or two weeks ago in this wow. group that I'm in that's yeah. all women. So I also wanted to just say like shout out to assistants. And the day I read that story, I think I was having a tough career day and I started crying. Like I was like, yes, women yeah. helping women. It's, it's finally here. It's finally happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so mean, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Definitely shout out to assistants. Um, the assistant to my agent read my screenplay first and was like, I love this. And I'm going to make sure my boss reads it. And she's the one who put it in front of him. And he, like, recognized something in it that he was like, there's something here. And, like, then now he's my agent. But, yeah, I think given, like, a thousand scripts, would he have plucked it on his own, like, out of the pile? I don't know. But she did. Yeah. Because she, like, saw something in it and, like, 
could tell that there was something that people would relate to. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I owe her a lot. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. Very cool. What was the journey like then adapting the screenplay into the book? Yeah, it was strange because I have re- I've written like many, many, many screenplays in my life. Um, but the only other fiction I've ever written is fan fiction. And right. so like to, to this was really my first time writing prose. Uh, knowing that like other professional real world people would read it. <laughs> Whereas like fanfic, you're like, oh, I'm just putting it on the internet. Everyone on the internet is kind of hypothetical and imaginary anyway, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Um, so I would write it literally with the screenplay open in front of me and I would like read a scene in the screenplay, internalize that scene, look at my blinking cursor in the Word document <laughs> and then be like, okay, how am I going to translate this into prose? Because it's difficult. There's so much that you have to do as a fiction writer that you don't have to do when you're writing a screenplay. Like screenplay, the action lines are very sparse and you really only have to describe the things that are absolutely necessary. And you just trust that the other departments who are bringing this movie to life will fill in the rest. So like you're not necessarily describing the room in that much detail or the costumes or the hair or, or, you know, you just trust that the art department will fill that in. And the camera department will make the lighting look right and the costuming department will make everyone's costumes look right. Um, but when you're writing a book, you don't have any of those things and so you kind of have to be every department at one time. Mm. And when I turned in my first draft, my editor, I mean, like, God bless her soul, like, all of her notes were very much like notes you would give a screenplay writer who was writing a book for the first time, which is like, you have to describe all this stuff. Like, you can't just, like, assume that people will know what this room looks like and, like, what what everyone looks like. Like... And and you have to get in the character's head a lot because it's written in first person. So you're constantly reading thoughts. And in a screenplay, those thoughts are, you kind of just leave it up to the actor Mm -hmm. to like figure out what the character is thinking. Like you tell them what they're doing and you tell them what they're saying, but what they're thinking is that's their business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you're writing a book, you really have to like write every thought down, which is something that to me at first felt like overwriting. It's almost like an acting exercise, the way you're, yeah. yeah, For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it actually helped me understand the characters a lot more and helped me understand the story better. Hmm. And it made me think that, wow, if I'm ever writing a screenplay and I'm stuck on a scene and I don't know how to write it, I should just, like, go write the first-person, like, YA novel version of this scene where you write down every single thought that the character is having. Yeah. Because it will help you break through and be like, okay, this is the headspace my character is in. That's going to help you, like, then you could strip away all that stuff and just write the screenplay version of that which is the dialogue and the action mm-hmm. yeah yeah so oh, cool, cool. Uh. yeah um well Land, i just saw this article Land wrote about your book first of all very exciting uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and they called your book really gay yeah and yes. you um you deal with homophobia in a really interesting way in the book can you tell us a little bit more and why you think um the YA world, like, I, I, I mean, this might be an incorrect assumption on my part from just, like, Googling things, but I saw that the YA world is, like, very, very hungry for LGBTQ content because they're just starting to kind of, like, latch on to that now. Like, yeah. why do you think it's taken a while to get there? Yeah, it's interesting. I think because uh, the YA world is writing st- stuff for young adults, um, I oftentimes in the in the discourse in within the community 
um, the stakes feel really high because if you screw it up, it feels like you're screwing up like teenagers' brains. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, so like the idea, like you know, wrestling with representation and all of that stuff feels like very like even uh, more relevant in the YA community than it is in um, like broader pop culture communities. Um, and so I think there's a big conversation about representation like of all kinds, but especially, you know, LGBTQ representation. And so it was um, exciting to be able to write a book that was sort of welcomed in the YA community because of its uh, representation in it. Whereas like when I was writing it, I was thinking, oh, no one's really going to care about this. It's just too gay. The YA community is like, no, that's what we want. We want books that are super gay mm-hmm. because we need those for like, you know, if you're a librarian, you want books of all kinds so that when a kid walks into your library and it's like, hey, um, do you have anything that's like maybe gay that you can like put something in their hands? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I hear from librarians a lot who are who are always looking for different kinds of stuff. So yeah. that's really exciting. Um, in the book, uh, uh, the main character Claire is, um, you know, obviously advocating for her ship. Um, in, to go canon on the show, meaning mm-hmm. like she wants her the gay pairing that she writes fan fiction about to be like a reality on the show. So she's she's basically advocating for like greater queer representation on TV, and so that's a huge part of the discussion. But also along the way, she's going to all these comic cons um, with, on this PR tour, and she meets um, this fan artist who's also sort of like going to all these comic cons. Uh, her name's Tess, and and. Um, She's queer and she's like sort of like very explicitly open about her sexuality and like isn't afraid to tell anybody about it and knows exactly who she is. Uh, and she calls herself homo romantic pansexual. Which <laughs> like, like, like to Claire, this is like like blowing her mind that someone would know herself that well. Yeah. And it kind of freaks her out a little bit because Claire doesn't really understand her own sexuality. It's like still like uh, learning about about her sexuality. You know, it's like mm-hmm. before you've had a ton of experience with other people, um, it's maybe sometimes hard to pin down exactly who you are or how you feel. It's all like very theoretical. Totally. It's, it's like, I don't know, parts seem scary and yeah. cool and I don't know which ones. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I think for a lot of people when you're young, like a way to learn about sexualities is to read a lot of gay fanfic. At least that's what I did. Yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. 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 So this story, like that's why Shondaland called it really gay. It's because it's tackling queer issues from like all angles from Claire's personal life to seeing it represented in pop culture and how those things can be related. Yeah, and I should clarify, they said really gay and really excited, um, which led (laughs) me to kind of like dig a little deeper of like, it seems like just now there's all these amazing LGBTQ books and there's such a hunger for it and kids like are devouring it, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We'd love for you to read a little bit if you want to do us the honor. Totally. So excited. Yeah. Okay, so um, to set this up, uh, um, could I social media this? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> social media, social that media. Um, to set this up, Claire has um, um, just kissed Tess for the first time, and um, is wondering what that means for her. <laughs> um, she says, and we're inside Claire's head as she's talking. 
I want to kiss her again, and I don't know what that means. Because here's the thing, right? I have a couple options. I could wake up tomorrow and tell my mom I'm gay and I like Tess, and then she'd cry and be happy for me and probably give me a sex talk, which I do not want to hear. <laughs> but I also probably need to hear from someone because if today proved anything, it's that I seriously have no clue how sex works when it's not between Smokey and Hart, which is her ship. <laughs> More research is clearly needed. And then I could announce it on Facebook and I could come out to my school and everyone would either accept me or not accept me. And then I would have to become friends with those other two lesbian girls, even though I don't know nearly enough about basketball to hang out with them. <laughs> and I would need to buy some rainbow suspenders maybe for the pride parade in Boise, which I don't even want to go to because parades are just too many people. And Tess <laughs> and I could, what, be girlfriends? Would I meet her family, her friends? Would I cut my hair into something edgy and short? Would this be my coming out story forever when people ask me about it? Would Joni Engstrom still want to be bus buddies with me? Would I have to decide if I still like boys? Would I have to start calling myself lesbian or bisexual or pansexual like Tess? The words blur and block out the rest of my brain. My chest feels tight, so I turn my back and look at the ceiling and breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth, long, slow breaths. I don't know how Tess does it. She seems to know exactly what she is and who she likes and why. When did she acquire this certainty? And how can some of it rub off on me? And then my cheeks flush in the darkness at the phrase rub off. And I shake <laughs> the visual from earlier that night away. Because what if, what if I'm not actually queer? What if I come out to everyone I know and then re later realize that this was just a weird night and after this I never kiss another girl? Then what? Then do I have to re-come out as straight and take it all back? And who would believe me? Everyone I know already thinks I'm gay just because I ship slash and I like to talk about it. I mean, I could never come back from that. So how are you supposed to know? I mean, really know. Like, for sure know. Know enough to tell your mom, who will surely freak out and want to bake a cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> know enough to call yourself gay in public or even in private or even in your own head. I don't know. What if I never know? What if I feel like this forever? Here's one thing I do know. I know that Smokey and Hart are in love. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. P.S. So, I love that freaking out is baking a cake. I know that's like really funny. Super nice freak out. It's so cute. <laughs> I know. I wanted to write parents who like who like weren't necessarily weren't like gonna disown her for being gay. We're like, yeah. like, oh, I should that. celebrate this, right? I, should, I can I can like yeah. picture this mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're like, it's almost worse that she wants to celebrate it because it's <laughs> like then she has to be super sure before he tell, she tells her yeah. mom because her mom's gonna freak out. That, love that whole thing feels really. I've never heard about. I, I've just never. I've never heard so clearly that that question of like, is this real? Like, once I say it, I can't go back on it. Yeah. And I don't know that that just feels like a really important thing for a young queer person to read. Yeah, I feel like when I was a young teenager, most of the um, stories about queer kids were like. It, uh, trying to keep it a secret because their parents would hate them mm -hmm. or, or they would get broken up with whoever they were trying to be with. Like Annie on My Mind was one of my favorite books at that time, but it was like kind of a tragedy where like they had to keep the relationship a secret because they knew that if they were found out, they would be like forced apart and that's exactly what I happens. I haven't read that, that book. book. At the, at the uh, end, they keep... Yeah, they, they still keep it a secret. No, they they get found out, and it's like this horrible and thing, they and they're pulled up. apart. And, oh my god! And like their families like won't let them see each other. And oh, it's that's terrible. really traumatic. So, but I, but which is like a totally valid story, right? But like right. we have 
those stories. Right. And so yeah. I wanted to tell a different kind of story about like how now sometimes for, for some kids in certain areas, it might feel like it's this big statement that like maybe you're not willing to make. And I guess like if Claire were here in the studio, I would want to tell her that it's okay that you can change your mind later, that that's okay. I know it sounds really hard and like confusing mm -hmm. and you feel like no one's going to accept you if you change your mind later, but that's okay. You can change your mind as many times as you want and that's okay. And also, even if you come out as gay or bi or pansexual or whatever, you like don't have to go to a pride parade. You don't have <laughs> right. to wear the rainbow <laughs> suspenders. You don't have to cut your haircut into something edgy <laughs> and short, although like highly recommended, but <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> and that's sort of like her journey along the way is to like understand that about herself. And then oh, you, you said so another really cool term that I have not heard, ship slash. What is ship slash? Uh, I like the way you say it, ship slash. <laughs> That's the character in the story, right? Slash? <laughs> no. No. Oh. No, you guys, I love oh. you guys. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. She's like, you're, you fan, you're not fan fiction ladies, but you're trying real hard. Trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so slash is like the original term for like if you have a gay ship. For specifically a non-canon gay ship, and it I think originated with Kirk and Spock in the original Star Wars. What? That's and it awesome. came from like Kirk slash Spock, and that slash became the. Oh, oh I really thought the character's name was Slash. Yeah. yeah. No, I I understand. It's okay. <laughs> um, that's so cool. I feel very inspired to ask you to recommend where a beginner should read. Yeah, uh, like what? Like fiction. what would you if we wanted to read it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there are well. Back, but there's like fan back, fiction for literally everything yeah, at this for, point. Yeah, for anything. Yeah, anything yeah. you're interested in. Where you like, just, like I was really like... excited when people were writing um, fan fiction about Mike Pence, where he was like gay and That's like funny. all the fan fiction yeah. to like piss him off. Yeah, I was very excited about that, and I read a little bit of it. Yeah, and that was like I think that might be, in all honesty, maybe the only fan fiction I've ever read. Okay, and I was so like, you're like yeah. a political fandom. Totally, kind of I would love like, yeah. to read political fandom. I'd love to read like an alternate universe where like Hillary's with a woman and they're both presidents and like give that to me I want to read that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait is there Riverdale fan fiction and do you read it and do you write it I mean is there Riverdale <laughs> of course there is right yeah there's so much Riverdale but like Riverdale TV specific yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so much Guys, I mean, it's a, yes. okay we don't know anything we're dummies <laughs> I mean no, it's, how no, great is your life that now people write fan fiction about oh something that you write I know and the worst part is that like legal Legally, I'm not supposed to read it oh, um, because mm. if you read it and you get inspired you get, or yeah. something, it's like they're not supposed. And also, like just the etiquette of fandom versus creator is like fandom should should they should feel safe, safe to like to make all that stuff without like want. one of the writers of Riverdale like tromping through and being yeah. like, "Hey, hey guys, <laughs> nice yeah. story ideas or yeah. whatever." You know, yeah. like that's not yeah. what yeah. they want. You know, yeah. so so I you know I keep the, I keep the, a pretty strong barrier between myself and the Riverdale fandom. Um, although if they like tag me in something or whatever, I'll answer their questions yeah. or like, you know, yeah. engage in the fan art and stuff like that. Cool. Um, but yeah, I still read fanfic and honestly, like just close your eyes, look inside your heart, think about the last pairing that made you squee a little bit on the inside and a little bit giddy <laughs> and make your heart grow three sizes. And then, I mean, there are definitely fanfiction clearing houses that I can point you to, like AO3 or fanfiction.net, but just honestly, just Google it. Just Google, okay. you know, cool. Han Lando yeah. fanfic. I'm going to read some of that. And like, I haven't even seen the movie yet, and I'm probably going to read it before I see the film. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Honestly, from what I've heard, you're better off reading yeah, the Han Lando be. 
fan Might be, yeah. <laughs> Wait. I'm, like, waiting for, like, the Lando movie to come out. Like, I'm yeah. all about that. But yeah. This is, yeah. like, a real... I mean, it's kind of... Whatever, I'm just gonna... Have you guys been watching Killing Eve? Mm. No, but I'm dying to now, especially that you recommend it as well. Yeah, no, I don't understand how anyone watches BBC America, but, but <laughs> it looks Illegally. amazing. Well, it's just like... I just love her. She's it's like, just yeah. like... So good. It's kind... One section of it is very gay, yeah. but the whole through line, these two women have this like weird obsession with each other. I don't want to give away too... Anyway. That's part of the um, hook par- of the show, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that they're that they're like they become obsessed with each other, mm-hmm. but it's very clearly early on like kind of a sexual thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it um, sounds like Hannibal, but with women. I never watched Hannibal. Well, it was kind of the same thing. One of them was like a serial killer, but and, they were kind of obsessed with each other. And the other one was like and investigating was him, and and they were obsessed with each other. And then it seemed very gay, and it was one of those situations where it's like this is very gay, but of course they'll never make it gay on the show. Of course they won't. And then at the right. very end, they kind of did. They did. Yeah, well, that's, cool. that's awesome. Did. And it was cool. like, wow, well, yeah, they yeah. went there. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that's that. cool. Spoilers. Um, Sorry. Spoilers. Well, <laughs> the show's off. There's so much television, we're never going to be able to watch it all at this point. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, you can say no to this question, but I wanted to bring it up because I love that you started your fanfic writing and writing life, I believe, writing episodes of The X-Files. Mm-hmm. Is this true? Yeah, it is true. <laughs> I, I love it. I started watching The X-Files in eighth grade, and it, like, it like I like immediately fell down just a deep, deep pit of obsession. Yeah. That like it seemed like no one else at my middle school was willing to follow me down in. <laughs> <laughs> and I I had a few friends who watched the show and it was like everything I could do to just bring it up once a week and be like, Hey, you know, did you watch the episode this week? And then they would either say yes and we could talk about it or they would say no and like a little piece of me would die and be like, I, what do you mean you had plans? This was like nineteen 19- 1998, we're like, you couldn't watch it. You could watch all the TV back in 1998. You You could could. watch it all. You could. You just had to not have plans. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were going to be out of the house, you had to put a VHS tape in and tape it. And watch it later. And watch it later. And watch it again and again, really. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So I I was reading a lot of fan fiction at that time, and I wasn't telling anyone about it. And I was, um, like, we had dial-up internet. My brother and Mm -hmm. I were were allowed, like, 30 minutes at a time before we had to trade off to the other person. (laughs) So I just remember my brother, like, hovering over my shoulder and being like, "Um, your 30 minutes is up. And what are you doing anyway? I'd just be like, reading. I'm just reading a short story on the internet by an unpublished author. It's fine. Leave me alone. You'll get your chance. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I don't know if you still have any or that you could read. And if you don't have, you could read. Maybe you could just tell us a bit about yeah. your angle into the X Files. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have any. I do have a lot of. Did it, you but, save it? But yes, I yes. saved it, and it's all on like yellow legal pads. Yes. in my parents' basement. Oh, I love that you wrote it by hand. Oh yeah, that <laughs> makes it so much better to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and good thing I did too, because if I had written it on the computer, like no one has any. It would be on like Word Perfect, yeah, yeah, Word ninety five yeah. or yeah. something. I don't even know what. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you can open those programs yeah. anymore. Yeah, 
Uh, this was like pre Google. It was like you you were still ask Jeeving, yeah, Jeevesings, everything. Yeah. Um. Uh. I remember one of my um fan fictions that I really liked that I I have to see if I can find somewhere was about like what if um. Uh, what if Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny were like suddenly transported into Mulder and Scully's body and like found themselves play oh. like in real life being the characters that they play on TV? Oh, um, that's great. And uh, and me thinking this was like a totally original, like brand new <laughs> idea that like literally no one else had thought of before. And then later, like in every single fandom I've ever been in, there's like one of those fix for yeah. like everything. Yeah. <laughs> this is like everyone's um, first idea, but. It was fun to write, and it was like possibly the first primer into writing Ship It, which is basically kind of an idea like that writ large. Cool. That's I love so that. cool. I love their relationship on that show yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, slight segue, mm-hmm. as I've kind of already revealed, I'm a big Riverdale fan. Great. What's it like <laughs> being in that writer's room? I mean, it's. Fantastic. Because I've I've daydreamed about because I'm like that must be the best because the most bananas things happen constantly on that show. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it is bananas, and you and it's really nice because it means that you sit there all day with your with the other writers, and someone will be like, I I have an idea that's out of left field. I don't know, and then everyone kind of leans forward a little bit, like this this is gonna be good. You (laughs) yeah, you have an idea that's more bonkers than the rest of our ideas. Like we might actually actually do that <laughs> and then uh, you always know it's a good idea when someone says something and then somebody gasps like oh, yeah we could do that nice <laughs> um like yeah nothing's too wild to pull off like twins sure yeah yeah great like yeah. um the evil maple syrup industry yeah. great love it that was yeah. so <laughs> what but i loved it there was every a, second of it um i i remember our showrunner was like uh, uh, we were talking about the drug that we were going to introduce in season two for a long time and mm-hmm. and 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 our early on our showrunner was like what about jingle jangle it's a reference to like an old archie song and we were like uh I, we can beat jingle jangle that's weird and hard to say and mm-hmm. and then we just kept saying jingle jangle and i think it was like three weeks later that someone was finally like are we actually we're going with this we're calling it jingle jangle we're calling this drug jingle jangle and he was like, yeah, I think so. I yeah. think we're calling it Jingle Jangle. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah. that's just the kind of world Riverdale is. We're yeah. calling it Jingle Jangle. Well, it's perfect, too, because it has that weird sort of throwback yeah. feel like the entire show does. And it feels really, like, sweet but sinister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that like show drugs. is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's shot so beautifully. I know. It is gorgeous. I know. It's really impressive. I yeah. read the pilot well before I saw the pilot Mm -hmm. and when I finally watched it I was sort of like oh you're gonna shoot it like that yeah wow because there was a lot of ways to shoot it and it didn't have to look as beautiful as it did Mm -hmm. and I'm so happy that they chose to be so stylish and foggy as they do so foggy and wet every scene is just wet it doesn't hurt that the cast is crazy attractive yeah yeah beautiful um and they're beautiful in real life too that's a hot tip yeah someone who's met them they look great uh they look great even in these clips so i i in full confession i'm like just on i've just 
touched the very beginning of Riverdale and mm-hmm. we'll eventually dive deep. Just but, scratched um, its surface. Yeah, it's just scratched mm-hmm. the surface. So for any other newbies, and I'm looking at Jingle Jangle clips right now, but I'd love to play something in regards to Jingle Jangle. I'm looking at your brain on Jingle Jangle, finding a Jingle Jangle dealer. Do you have a tip of like what clip we could play to like get people into some Riverdales? <laughs> Wait, when did you start writing for the show? I, I wrote in season one. Season one, so yeah. you've been with it the whole time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I, so I w- I've been on the show since the episode after the pilot, since episode two. <gasps> That's so amazing. Rad. You get to like be part of all the world creation. That's so cool. What's your What was your favorite episode? Um, I think maybe this season, episode 218, was our musical episode where Kevin puts on the musical Carrie the musical. I haven't seen that episode yet, but it's I've read about pretty it. Pretty great. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's just like in the, in a lot of ways, Riverdale plays with form, and uh, you get to do some really kind of outside the box things. And so one of the things we did was do a musical, and that one's really fun. And then another one I liked was this season uh, episode two hundred seven, I believe, is the one that's sort of like a, a triad where there's like three three stories, and each story is two acts. Uh, and you have um, Archie and Jughead, and then the next act is uh, Betty and Veronica, and the last act is uh, Josie oh, and that's fun. Uh, Reggie. And it's and it's just fun to like get outside mm-hmm. what you normally do. Mm-hmm. And when you have twenty two episodes a season, you really can like have a few fun episodes per season, which is really great. It's so cool. awesome. Yeah. Should I play a little clip from the musical? I'm looking at a do, yeah. do me a favor. Right oh yeah, now. that's a good one. Tommy, lately I've just not been feeling right. I'm so ashamed of how we've all been treating Carrie White. Now I realize this is hardly your concern. I hate to drag you into this, but I've got nowhere else to turn. Do me a favor. There's something that Carrie White will just have to learn. If she plays a fire, she's gonna get Okay, okay. Do they know these kids could sing like this when they cast them? And isn't that the most annoying thing? It, <laughs> Is that not only are they beautiful and they can act, they can they sing can too. Sing. I know it's so amazing. And you can tell it's not like some other shows that have had musicals where mm. they're like auto-tuning all of their voices. Yeah. I've, I also follow some of those girls on Instagram and they just like sing on their Instagrams and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're so talented. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I didn't get give you a chance to set that up because we just spontaneously decided to play a clip, but could you tell us a bit about um, the musical episode and the choice to do it and all that good stuff? Yeah, we had talked about our, um, doing a musical episode for a while because our showrunner, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, uh, like comes from the world of Broadway. Um, and loves musicals Love possibly it. more than anyone I know <laughs> in the world. Um, and so he had wanted to do one for a while, and we were just finding the right time to do it and finding a way that 
way for the songs to like fit with the stories because it's not a show like like when Buffy did its musical, like um, they explained it away being like, oh, a mysterious supernatural right. being has forced these people to sing all of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool and works for Buffy, but but there's no supernatural beings in Riverdale, and so so the way Yet. we ex- yeah, <laughs> I know right yeah uh, wait for season six. Um, so the way we explained it was you know Kevin puts on a musical and all of the kids are cast in it, and also Betty's mom because of course Alice is amazing, um, and uh, and so they're singing and we had to pick songs that like would relate to their character journeys for that episode. Um, and so what you saw is like the kids all singing a song from the musical and what it builds up to is like a big climax where they actually perform the musical for the first time for an audience, uh, and like something dramatic and sinister, um, and murderous mm-hmm. occurs. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, one of the, I was actually there, uh, for the filming of that scene where we literally had like 500 extras oh sitting in the audience quietly watching, um, while these kids like sang their hearts out on stage, and it was like, wow, even live, even when you know we're gonna tape over this, you can still sing it. This is, it's ridiculous. So cool. Um, and uh, and like and then like there's like the big reveal at the end of the musical, and and I just remember being like, these extras better not Snapchat any of the things that <laughs> yeah. they're singing today. Yeah. I mean, they're, they've signed a contract that they won't. But still, but when you're still. sitting there like revealing a big spoiler to a room of 500 young people, yeah, uh, who are you know probably getting paid minimum wage to sit in the stands and be silent, you're just like praying that none of them leak what's happening. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, oh, fun. I know when Riverdale first came on, people were so psyched about the relationships and getting into that world that. Um, hinted at things but never went there because it was a comic book that mm. and it was a comic in the newspaper too I think at one point where like people read Archie in the I'm pretty sure I read Archie's a kid in the paper <laughs> I, don't had know, I don't know if it was lives. in the paper but they were in like the comic book stores yeah maybe I'm just thinking if I would get the comics but I also read the Sunday Funnies every Sunday <laughs> um, but uh, is there a, a moment that you're particularly proud of, of relationships that didn't exist in the comic that now exist on the show? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the exciting things about the show is we take what worked in the comic, like these iconic characters, these archetypical characters, and we can sort of spin them around and investigate them in a more three-dimensional way than you can kind of do when you're just, when you're just doing the comics. Um, and we do our own versions of those characters. And so they're not quite the same as the characters in the comics. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I guess the most exciting for me personally was, um, this is a bit of a spoiler for season two, but it's a spoiler that's going to make you want to watch the show. And so I think those are the good kind of spoilers. Yeah. Um, is uh, uh, in season two, we reveal that Cheryl Blossom, who's like sort of like, uh, the chaotic neutral character in the show who always comes in and like fucks shit up and like creates <laughs> chaos. Uh, who's like, I do know what chaotic neutral means. I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Uh, she's like one of the more exciting characters to write for because she she's just awesome. can say whatever she thinks whenever she wants. <laughs> and that's just like a fun character to write. Um, we gave her a queer backstory and gave her a girlfriend in season two. And she starts dating Tony, who's a Southside Serpent, which is like a member of the gang. And so she wears like leather jackets and like fixes her motorcycle and like has this sort of soft butch feel to her. Um, And so to pair Tony with Cheryl, 
Uh, it's just like such an interesting combination to me. And I love taking a character who for the last 75 years has probably been assumed to be straight mm -hmm. and be like, ha ha, you don't, actually she's queer. Yeah. It's like, that's a dream come true for me. So awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, cool. I'm going to try and play one of their scenes. We'll see what happens. Forsyth Pendleton Jones III. I'm Tony Topaz. I was supposed to give you the full animatronic tour of Southside High, but some of the robots went insane and started killing the guests, so we'll just swing it. The classrooms don't have Wi-Fi. The bathroom stalls don't have doors. Yeah, no longer exists. Censorships, budget cuts, take your pick. To your right, you'll find a rare glimpse of Jingle Jangle being consumed in its natural habitat. This place is crawling with the JJ. Highly addictive total gutter drugs, so let's not touch that. All right, here in the cafetorium, the ghoulies sit over there. Rival gang, drug dealers, street racers, rumors of cannibalism. Don't ask. And we sit over there with the serpents. Why do you think that I volunteer to give you the chore? Come on. I'm confused, aren't you like a serpent by blood? The son of F.P. Jones? Hey, you want to get through this? You should hang with the serpents. Not like that's not Cheryl not exactly and Tony. Yeah. That's, that's that was a, that's Jughead hilarious. and yeah. yes, yeah. that's a Jughead Tony, Tony. scene where yeah. they just cut out all of Jughead's lines. They did, yeah. Reason, I was yeah. like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just Tony's best singers. It's yeah. just yeah. Tony. Yeah. It's all Tony. And, but I still think that was awesome because we got to see a little bit of the world and like, oh my god, the dialogue is so fun. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah, you can kind of just play around with it and go as wild as you want with it. So fun. Oh uh, my gosh. Oh my goodness. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about your staffing experience? Yeah. Um, uh, I had been wanting to be a TV writer for a really long time and thinking about what it would be like and dreaming about what my first showrunner meeting would be like and what being in a writer's room would be like. Uh, and then when it finally came around, it was sort of like, oh, this was nothing like you pictured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, it It's... Um, you know, real and dynamic and uh, more interesting and complex than whatever fantasy I had imagined in my head. My showrunner, my, my staffing experience was I had um, gotten an agent based off of a ship at the screenplay. Um, he put me out for staffing that year. And um, I went, <laughs> this is, if you have any uh, aspiring TV writer listeners, this might make them cringe and like maybe just like pull over your car before you listen to this <laughs> um, But he, he put me, uh, he put me out for staffing and I went on exactly one uh, meeting and it was for Riverdale and oh uh, the meeting went great Holy <laughs> and shit. I got the job. That's yes. amazing. It's a dream scenario. It's kind of a dream scenario. Yeah. I got to meet Roberto in that meeting and um, he's just like has this very unique brain and he's funny and he sparkles and um, he might be a genius uh, and, and all of that was evident in my first meeting with him where I was like I really want to work for this guy because I really think I can learn a lot about writing mm. uh, and about the world from him but uh, but don't tell him I said any of that uh, <laughs> he's our number one listener so. yeah. oh god Roberto please <laughs> never mention this <laughs> um, so it was a great meeting um, I mean I was terrified and also worried that I would puke um, but I didn't uh, and I made it through the meeting uh, with with like a minimum of like sweaty palms and nice. um and I got the job, so that it yeah. was very exciting. My first day on the job was also terrifying. I think I was the only one in the room who had never been in a writer's room before. There, everyone else had been 
uh, either a writer's assistant or had worked in writer's rooms before or, or had previously been staffed. Uh, and so I was walking in like completely blind and all I had to go on was like uh, listening to other people on podcasts describe what it was like mm -hmm. uh, and like reading a few books about it and stuff. But I had never actually ever stepped foot in a writer's room until then. So I didn't know about the etiquette and I didn't know how to behave. And I was just mostly trying to be like the most toned down version of myself possible because I have a tendency to come on strong and gesticulate a little too much and, and uh, <laughs> I'd just be like a little more Brita than people maybe want to receive. Uh, and so I just remember trying to be like as chill, like the chillest, <laughs> like coolest, like slouchiest version of myself I could be. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so what kind of questions do they ask you in the, in the meeting like that? Um, I rem well, I had read um, a previous version of the pilot, and then I had read uh, a second version of the pilot. So I was I was coming in prepared with a bunch of questions about like why they had made cer certain changes to the pilot between mm -hmm. versions, um, and I had a few pitches prepared in case they asked me for any pit story mm -hmm. pitches, which mm -hmm. is kind of an older school thing to right. do, um, and they didn't ask me that. But the, it always starts with like, tell me about yourself. Right. And you've got to be ready to answer that vague, weird question. Yeah. Um, Here are my three deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. <laughs> here's where I'm from. Here's why I went to school. And here's what I fear most about the world. <laughs> and it's you in this meeting right now. Yeah. Also, do you have a trash can? I need a few. <laughs> um, and then they asked me, um, you know, what I liked about the script. And they asked me which character I related to the most. And I oh. think I said Kevin. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and talked about that, and then um, uh, and then we just started talking about. Oh, it became a, like a more organic conversation where I started talking about things I liked about the script, and I talked about I liked Betty and Veronica's friendship um, was really interesting because mm -hmm. in the pilot they really become friends immediately instead of fighting over Archie. Mm -hmm. um, it it's really like kind of a, a girls bonding together mm -hmm. story. So we talked about that and why they made that decision and how they had heard a lot of feedback about how much they people liked that. Yeah. So it was good. It, it, it kind of became an organic discussion after that point. It was really good. That's cool. awesome. Very That's cool. so great. Um, before we wrap up, you're from Oregon, so I have to ask. Yeah. Well, did you were you aware of Rajneesh Pura? <laughs> I don't know who this is. You have to fill me in. Are you kidding? Lindsay. No, I come on, Lindsay. Marie Stidham. I can't remember your middle name. Nell. <laughs> Nell. Who is Marie? <laughs> That's my middle name. <laughs> I didn't know that either. We're learning so much tonight. Oh I'm wondering if I do. No. Rajneesh Perm is not a person. It's where the the Bhagwan took his following. Yeah. Oh. In Wagwan country. Mm -hmm. oh. I mean, also in real life. But, but I haven't watched this show yet, you guys. Yeah. I got to watch it. It's bananas. It's funny because that all happened just outside of Antelope, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in Astoria, Oregon, which is on the coast, very far from Antelope. But before I moved to Astoria, my family, until I was seven, lived in a very, like, tiny town called Hepner, which is, like, an hour, hour and a half from Antelope. And so I, when Wild Wild Country came out, I, like, texted my mom. I was like, did you know about all this? This was all happening when I was, like, three, four, ah. five years old. Like, like not very far from yeah. where well, we I'm were Well, I'm looking living. at pictures of the ranch, and I'm already freaked. And she was like, oh, yeah, we knew about that. She's like, how do you know about that? I was like, well, there's a popular documentary on Netflix. And she's like, does it talk about the poisoning? And I'm like, I yeah. don't know, Mom. Spoilers. I'm not there yet. Oh. <laughs> Have you watched oh God, it yet? No, I'm like two episodes oh, in. Okay. Is there well. poisoning? Well, apparently, according to my mom. Yeah. It is. Oh, man. So crazy. 
Also, if you Google it, there's like fans of the documentary who are now like going no. there and taking well, a ton of photos. I'm well, like, it's a young life camp. Mm. It turned into a young life camp. What? Yes, yes. Can you believe it? Because it's kind of cold. What? Well, oh, absolutely. I would say more dangerous than <laughs> the Russian Ishis. But like what they did aye, with aye, the aye. land was actually really beautiful. Like they created this like beautiful place and like revitalized the soil and like all of that stuff at the beginning sounded great. And then it just yeah. turned. Yeah. Like any good cult. I like any good cult. Yeah. yeah. You bring people in. I mean, if you didn't do anything good in the beginning, right. no one would join. Right. And so you right. got to do a bunch of great stuff before Tip you Tip to all it. you aspiring cult leaders out yeah. there. Start it <laughs> off yeah. good yeah. and slowly yeah, you turn the Yeah. You got to offer people up. a reason yeah. to join your cult. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to languish. You're going to have a following of like three people yeah. like all those weird twitter people yeah and yeah. get more original than sex and riches people have been there and done that yeah <laughs> like like pudding cups or yeah. something i don't know like really reach out there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i want to circle back to the cult of archie and ship it <laughs> oh yeah so i would love it if you want to read us out with something oh, that God. would be so great i'll read you out with something woo woo Read you out. Yeah. I like that <laughs> phrase. Okay, wait. Hold on. I, I need a second to find it. No problem. Take your time. I'll just keep looking at images of this cold the location. Yeah. It's... <laughs> In the meantime, it is... I'll just prepare myself for my own nightmares. It's fascinating. Okay. So this is a section of the book. The book is told in uh, first person with alternating perspectives between Claire, who's the teenage fan fiction writer, and Forrest, who is um, uh, a young actor who plays one half of her ship. Oh, that's so fun. And so you really get both perspectives uh, between Claire and Forrest, and you get Forrest's perspective on the ship, which is like, hell no, that's never going to happen. And then Claire's perspective of like, watch me convince you. Um, and then it's sort of interspersed throughout is uh, Claire's fan fiction, um, which awesome. you just get little um, like snippets of throughout mm -hmm. the book. Um, and and uh, the two guys in the fan fiction are Smokey and Hart, and Forrest plays the character of Smokey. And so this is just like a smidge, just like a tad, just a taste, a little dollop mm -hmm. nice. of Claire's fan fiction between Smokey and Hart. Smokey could slay demons all night long. He could stare down the dirtiest, ugliest dreck that hell chose to spit out at him, and he could do it with a fire in his eye until his legs gave out from exhaustion. He could do all that and keep the fear in his belly at bay, but he couldn't have a straightforward conversation and a game of pool without, with heart without feeling like he had to lob a bomb in the middle of everything and make his escape. His bravery had a county line, and heart was far, far on the other side of it. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, it's so dramatic. It's so fun. Ugh. Cool. So your book is available now. Where it's can people now. Where can people buy it? You can buy it anywhere books are sold, like Amazon or oh Barnes God. and Noble or your local uh, bookstore. We're is gonna there... link it in our yeah. uh, info section, y'all's. Buy it. And where can people follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Britta Shipsit. I'm on Tumblr Brittle and Dean and Instagram Brittle and Dean. I love it. Thank awesome. you for coming on. Guys, thank you. This was so, so fun. fun. My clam feels so loved. Oh, good. We're so glad. <laughs> we admire it. Yeah. Thanks for being here. This was so, so fun. Um, and clams, thanks for listening to yes, us. As always, follow us on Instagram at Welcome to the Clam Bake, at Twitter at Clam Bake Pod, at Facebook, 
and Welcome on Facebook. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Call us, call us, and um, if you've got some fan fiction, read some to us on our hotline. That would yeah, be great. Read oh us my god, some fan please. fiction please. on our hotline. Yeah, that these ladies need to learn. Yes, yes. school us, please. <laughs> Come on, six five seven two four three three seven eight nine. That's six five seven two four three three seven eight nine. Yeah, and if you want to be a clam bastard and help us out and spread the word, you can always email us. Welcome to the Clam Bake Podcast at gmail.com. We still got hats we want to give away, guys. Yeah, and thanks as always to Camp Fire Media, our producer, Ryan Counthouse. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And please, pretty please, take 20 seconds right now, unless you're driving, and give us a review. Thanks, Clams. We'll catch you uh, on the next wave. Thanks for getting baked with us. Yeah. Bye. 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 How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Joe. I'm supposed to do a little promo for my show, but I don't want to do one. So uh, if you've lived a perfect life, if you know exactly who or what God is, and if you know exactly how to define spirituality, don't listen to my show, Choose Your Own Religion. If you're not interested in hearing comedians talking about their own religious background and making up new religions, for God's sake, don't go to chooseyourownreligion.com and don't find me on iTunes and Stitcher. Choose Your Own Religion. Hard pass every Sunday. I love you, and I hope you never tune in. Campfire.